0: Good afternoon. This is Bill Young, and welcome to Prayer and Lunch podcast. Today is uh, Wednesday, the third week of Lent, and uh, we're going to be reading from a little book, Journey of the Heart, uh, written Latin reflections and prayers uh, by Father Henry J. M. Newman. And we're going to be going on today is day nine of nine days of Saint Joseph. And tomorrow is our big consecration day to St. Joseph. And as you know, yesterday we started uh, 33 Days to Greater Glory, a total consecration to the Father through Jesus, based on the Gospel of John and written by Father Michael Gailey. But before we start those uh, readings and prayers, uh, I got an email today from the Archdiocese of. uh, Miami, uh, uh, and basically stated, effective today, there will not be uh, any more public masses or any public events. So I guess that includes adoration and uh, anything. And we, I think, we may even have prayer groups and meetings. So I don't know if our Legion of Mary is meeting Friday or not. But we still could pray and. As you know, uh, last night we started praying the rosary at 8 p.m. Uh, with the Archdiocese of Philadelphia. So that was very spiritual. They have a priest there and uh, a woman running it, and they had a, a deacon and his uh, uh, children uh, pray the rosary with us. So that was very inspiring, and thank you, and I'll be doing it again tonight. Mm-hmm. And maybe, if I could permission, if they let me uh, record it. So uh, let's go to Journey of the Heart. Listen, Lenten reflections and prayers with Father Henry J. M. Newman. As I read earlier, uh, it's quieting our hearts is the title, and it states here from Job three twenty six, I am not at ease. No, I am quiet. I have no rest, but troubles comes, and this is uh, what the, Father Henry wrote for today. Although the discipline of solitude asks us to set aside time and space, what finally matters is that our hearts become like a quiet cells where God can dwell. Wherever we go and whatever we do, the more we train ourselves to spend time with God and Him alone, the more we will discover that God is with us at all times and in all places. Then, we are able to recognize Him, even in the midst of a busy and active life. Once solitude of time and space has become a solitude of of the heart, we will never have to leave in that solitude. We were able to live the spiritual life in any place and any time. Thus, the discipline of solitude enables us to live active lives in the world while remaining always in the presence of the living God. Jesus, Help me recognize you today in all the moments of my life, so that and you can put in your uh, words here. I'm saying clo- get closer to our Lord, and so that was beautiful. And it's it's again it, to me amazes me how this was written many many years, twenty five, thirty more years ago when uh, Father Henry was alive. So God knows what you need at every moment of your time, even. You know, I had no idea reading this book how it would be so much what's going on in the world right now and everywhere. In the United States, I think it's every country. I know it's about 125 countries the last time I heard. and uh So pretty much every country in the world. And so let's do day number nine in... nine days to joseph dear saint joseph i know i'm going to die when i do i trust that you will be there to greet me with jesus and mary in a special way promise me this i trust you i believe that you will be there for me for my part i will try not to be afraid of my death and i will live my life in preparation for it. I will maybe look forward to it as time and when I get to meet you face to face. Prepare me for my death, whatever it may be. If it's sudden, please make sure that my soul is is prepared and please make sure I will not be lost. Dear St. Joseph, obtain this grace for me as I consecrate myself to your fatherly care. Tomorrow, I am fully yours. Probably some day after that, I will die and I give you permission to take me home to the Father's house when the day comes. St. Joseph, who died so beautifully, please prepare my soul for death. Wow, that's so so tributing, It's, it's, it's amazing and uh and again this is the different weeks this is week one in uh, 33 days of greater glory a total consecration of the father for jesus based on the gospel of john by father michael gailey and again i'm just going to do bits and pieces so i don't want to do the whole book <laughs> because then you need to buy the book and uh, the order line is uh, 1-800-462-7426 in the prayer line if you'd like to say some prayers with some individuals it's 1-800-804-3823 1-800-804-3823 and uh, so day two in this 33 days of greater glory and it's john the baptist and uh, readings uh, that are in this this chapter is from john 1 19 to 34 and uh, uh, 3, twenty-two to thirty. And Father Michael uh, Gately writes To set his people free from slavery in Egypt, God gave Moses power to work tremble wonders in the sight of the uh, Pharisees. The most tremble was the last. To prepare his people for it, God gave them specific instructions on the appointed evening, each household would sacrifice the unblemished lamb, sprinkle its blood on the, on the uh, intel and droplets, drop posts. And then that night, they would eat the roasted flesh of lamb with the unleavened bread. Finally, on the same night, God would send a company of destroying angels to strike down the firstborn son of every house in, uh, in Egypt, unless the house is mocked by the blood of lamb, and unless the people of the house had eaten the flesh of the lamb. Exodus 12, 7-13. So what happened? The firstborn son, even the firstborn animals from every Egypt household, including that of the Pharisees, were slain that night. After discovering his dead son and hearing the cries of Egypt, the Pharisee sent God's people away, but then he changed his mind and proceeded to pursue them with his horses and chariots and horsemen and army, Exodus 14:9. Finally, the Lord himself consumed the Pharisee's worldly power in a wave of the Red Sea and led his chosen people safely home to freedom. Of course, we heard all this before, especially Easter, but we should bring it back to mind when we're reflecting on John the Baptist's words in the Gospel of John. Seeing Jesus walking towards him, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God takes away the sins of the world. Now, only the Gospel of John includes these words, and there's a lot from the other Gospels that John does not include. Why? Because John appreciates the mystery of Christ from a deeper and more powerful perspective. Let's look at the aspects of the Gospel of John more closely through its treatment, or rather non-treatment, of the baptism of Jesus. The other three Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, describe Jesus' baptism in this way. The clouds open, a dove descends, and a voice the Father's is heard saying, This is my beloved Son. And the author of the Gospel of John, who wants us to hear these words of the Father, also never actually mentions them. Instead, he shares his own name, John. No, in this Gospel, John doesn't go by his name John rather than he's the beloved disciple. He's calling himself this. It is, he wants us to tell us that the father said to Joseph and Jesus at the baptism, you are my beloved. He also wants us to, you too. In other words, John telling all baptized believers that we that we are too are God's beloved children. We too are beloved disciples of God, so loved world gave his only begotten Son. 316. All, All right so God loves us and he loves the world but in the Gospel of John the world is really ruled by the prince of this world the devil and whereas the other gospels shows Jesus after his baptism being led to the desert be tempted by the devil which reveal the ways of John, riches and honors and pride. John doesn't report all. Rather, he unveils the sin that woed throughout his gospels. In fact, right here, with the witness of John the Baptist, he gets directly into the task of unmasking the pride of the world. How? By revealing one of the most fundamental attitudes of Christ that prepares the way of divine mercy and discipleship in such a way, namely, humility. So let us see how the baptism and the beloved disciple help prepare the way of the revelation of God's love by showing us the path of humility in Christ. First, John the Baptist himself is utterly humbled. Regarding Christ, John says, He himself is not even worthy to do slave work, uniting his master's sandals. Later, when some of John's disciples tell him that Jesus is also baptizing, all was going on to him. There was no jealousy, in John, no ego, no rivalry or no competition. Rather, he reveals his very heart of humility, which is to recognize that we are having nothing our own, but we can do nothing on our own. For everything comes from God. No one can receive anything except what is given to him from heaven. He further speaks of himself as a friend of the bridegroom. He is the one who rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. Why does he speak like that? Because whereas others would envy, the sources of potential rival, John sees a friend in Jesus and simply rejoices at his comings. Finally, speaking of Christ, he expresses what could be a very definition of Christian humanity. He must increase, but I must decrease. In other words, Jesus must increase, And our bloated eagles must decrease. Second, the image of the lamb is also utterly humble. Think of it. A lamb is a young sheep that still suckles from its mother in a meek and docile and gentle animal. So what is going to take away the sins of the world? Absolutely, again, at the heart of the sin is the world pride. And just as Passover lamb saves Israel, firstborn sons, from death, so the humanity of the Lamb of God saves children of God from spiritual death that comes from the pride of the world. In the book of Revelations, also attributes to John, there is a curious sense where John is weeping and an elder says to him, Weep not, behold, the, lo- the lion of the tree. Tribe of Judah, has conquered by fire, a lion. Now, what's more like it? It seems like the right image of world is conquering God, but you expect John to turn around and see a powerful, glorious lion, right? Instead, he sees a lamb standing there, and had been slain. What? Talk about the power's image. A dead lamb standing. That certainly is not the way of the world, but rather the line of the humble ways of Christ. And again, think of it. God in Christ first came to us in the form of a powerless little baby born of a woman. As a child and adolescence, he grew up in a Nowhere town was simply humble parents. Finally, as a grown man, he needed someone as particular as John to baptize to the point, him out. Why? Because on his own, nobody would have noticed Jesus. According to Isaiah's prophecy, his appearance would be particular, particularly striking as the surface of nothing would set him apart as several attracted others to him. Although those did not draw close would discover a stunning attractiveness as well to see tomorrow. So Jesus, a grown man, really is like a lamb. He's he's a lion, but he comes from appearance of a lamb. The prologue of, of John Gospel speaks of the power of Jesus, gives us the power To become children of god 111. it's a power to say no to the world and yes to christ no to pride and yes to humility no to the needs of of control and yes to letting god lead us with with, as a shepherd leads a flock of sheep and lambs today's prayer look at the image of a lamb and reflect This is the animal that most revealed who God is. This is the image of the Son, whom the Father is well pleased. Amen. Well, that concludes uh, uh, today's podcast. And uh, so tomorrow's a big day. That's when we're going to be consecrating ourselves to St. Joseph. And Father Michael Gantley suggests that... uh, Tomorrow, before we do the consecration, we write down uh, uh, on a piece of paper, on our handwritten, and then date it, and, and of course sign it. And I believe if you're reading from your book, and maybe I could take a picture of it for tomorrow too, if you don't have the book yet. I'm hoping everyone will. And Let's see. So it's going to be nine days. It's uh, page 186 in the book, the day of consecration to Saint Joseph. So that's a consecration prayer. If you notice, it just says I, and blank. So fill in your name. Don't do it in a book, but do it on a piece of paper and handwritten. And then save it because you're going to date it. And then next year, uh, on that feast day of, uh, of uh, Saint, John, uh, Saint Joseph, you could uh, you could do it again and on annually every year. So, I hope you guys are liking this book. And I hope and pray that you actually, for those who didn't get a copy already, remember I, I said I still have an extra copy. If someone really wants one, let me know. And you could always order it for two day shipping on amazon.com. And or well, the hearts of fire, you could it may take a little bit longer, I'm not quite sure. And order lines 1 800 462 7426. And I will post in as a sponsor the, the website for uh, Hearts of Fire, so you can buy that book and many other books, uh, From the Morning Glory of Mary and Merciful Love, and uh, it's a lot of great books here, if you haven't done it already. So this time, I guess, as you know, it's our time of uh, being shelter in place almost. The shelter hasn't quite happened, but i um, Sure, that's next. And uh, so it's a, a good time uh, to be prayers and, and reading. And today's gospel, uh, i to uh, I'll send a link, i put the link on, and uh, try to make it for the 8 o'clock rosary with the Archdiocese of Philadelphia. So it's always good to uh, pray with our, uh, brethren uh, from the uh, city of uh, brotherly love. Thank you, and God bless you all.